0: For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. Featuring a reimagined exterior with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and an interior built with robust materials and integrity, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. Its durability has been tested to the extreme while the cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender.
1: Okay, it's time to commit. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Nerds
0: Podcast number 353. Uh, Nerds TV show on BBC America this weekend is a tribute to space with Buzz Aldrin uh, and Bob, and Bob Who, By the way, I cannot tell you what it was like watching Matt Myra meet Buzz Aldrin. I mean... It was a. It was obviously incredible to meet Buzz Aldrin, just for myself. But watching the experience of Matt, like I mean, you, if you listen to the podcast with any regularity, you know what the, what NASA and the space program mean to, to Myra. And so it was a, It was kind of a beautiful moment. It's fun to watch Myra get a little emotional. See, so he, he's he's got a chewy center. Myra, he's all soft and gooey inside And uh, and Buzz was great So that's a Nerdist TV show, BBC America 10, uh, ten nine central uh, I don't know what be- number BBC is on your channel But uh, channel numbers are irrelevant now anyway You're going to pick it on your programming guide Look up Nerdist or BBC America Or maybe it'll come up under my name uh, Also, speaking of uh, podcasts that have morphed into television shows Marin is Mark uh, Marin's show it's, uh, it's a semi-fictionalized account uh, of Mark's life It's based on true thing it actually I I just want to say I'm glad that it didn't say based on true events although I kind of would have been funny in his case if they if they had done that Uh, but uh, it's there's an all-new episode this Friday 10 p.m. on IFC and uh, it's sort of a it's sort of like a like there's a podcast shell around the show but there really is just like stories like stuff that a lot of stuff that Mark's talked about on the podcast that then sort of became what the show is about and people like Judd Hirsch and Gina Gershon and Aubrey Plaza and Adam Scott and Dennis Leary uh, Sally Kellerman Josh Brenner uh, really fantastic guests and and Mark uh, you know congratulations to you Mark Marin uh, for for getting your show on the air and I I've been reading a lot of great reviews for it so people seem to lo- love it and so if you haven't seen it yet you should absolutely check it out Marin Fridays 10 9 Central IFC high fives Marin
1: high fives
0: this episode is uh, W. Kamau Bell, who I knew from San Francisco, uh, not that I'm from San Francisco, but performed in San Francisco a lot. Uh, fantastic comic who landed a show on IFC called Totally Biased, um, which is a, a really fun comedy, almost so, sort of a social experiment show. And it is on, uh, it, it returns new episodes, return May 9th at 11 on FX. But uh, in the fall, the show's going to daily. It's weekly right now, but then the show's going to daily. And I never really had the opportunity to sit down and talk to him at length. And so, again, besides uh, creating content that you mash into your ears and listen to as you go about your day, the podcast is also fun for me because uh, not only do I get to catch up with people that I haven't hung out with in a long time, but I also get to know people that I've always kind of like, oh, that guy seems cool, but I never really have had a conversation with him. So it's, you know, uh, it's been a good reason to actually just sit down and talk to People. And so if, you, if you're not familiar with Kumau or you're not familiar with Toby totally Bice, just out that show, but also check out his comedy and, uh, and just get to know him. So here's the Nerdist Podcast, episode number 353 with W. Kumau Bell.
2: Now entering Nerdist.com.
0: You sound good. We sound all right. All right. I think this is going to work. All right. (laughs) I'm very excited about this. Um, Thank you for having me up to your office. (laughs) Uh, It's it's sort of, it feels up here like people have been gone for a little bit and they've just come back. So there's a lot of, it looks like, uh, it looks like coming back. After there's been a summer vacation (laughs) Oh, I just threw a bunch of stuff Oh, thank you very much I piled some stuff here And I moved that thing over there And what was I
2: Where did I put all of the things? It's also a function of me Not knowing how to have an office (laughs) (laughs) So, like, it sort of looks like uh, My room when I was 13 Just Hmm. things are sort of Piled on top of things Is it weird to have an office? yeah it is weird to have an office it's totally weird to have an office
0: I mean you're gonna you're, you're in it now man you are in it <laughs> yeah you are, you are
2: in it for a little while for at least 142 episodes <laughs> Don't, try not to think about it that way I know that's what they do when they said it that way I was like I, couldn't, I can't <laughs> stop thinking about it that way because your first thought is yay and then your second thought is I have to make 142 episodes of television yeah um, what and, am I going to talk about every day for a while or many most days of the week I guess is the best way
0: certainly to it. there can't be enough in the socio-political sphere to no. cover 100. I think it's like 130 yeah, yeah and then just 12 fluff episodes yes yes 12 like jerk off
2: tips exactly. or, or yes. whatever <laughs> yes yes 12 episodes about, uh, you know, about... Uh, we'll have shows where I just do, like, Oprah. My favorite thing! <laughs> Look under your seats. There's nothing there, because we don't have that budget. My favorite thing is nothing. My yeah. favorite thing is disappointment. Yeah, sleep. Don't you love sleep, everybody? Let's all take a nap.
0: <laughs> and then just an hour of television where everyone's napping. Yes, That yes. feels like a show that would be in Japan. <laughs> it's just like an afternoon nap show.
2: Yes, yes.
0: Where you just watch a bunch of... Uh, attractive Japanese women sleeping, yes. and then like a weird guy, an, an older avuncular gentleman, just quietly whispering to everyone. That's a Japanese television show. I feel like show. I've seen
2: some of those clips online, but maybe that's too revealing. <laughs> Super refreshing nap time. <laughs> Super refreshing nap time, yes. <laughs> I know I've seen that show. Japanese television, That's that actually is what it is, which it feels like we're making fun of it, but... No, it really, like, a, that's totally a show... At least you that's a big aspect of I'll it. I'll tell you what, I would be surprised if that's not already been done, to be honest with you. I'm sure it's a segment on a show that also has people tripping and falling and getting hit by things. Well,
0: you know, in England, they had, like, the Big Brother channel... Yes. Oh, yeah, where you watch the Big Brother house...
2: 24 hours a day. And, and a lot of times you're just watching them sleep. Yeah, yeah. And then sometimes you watch them do things that they uh, had to go to jail over, I think. Did
0: that happen? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, they, there were some... Ba- some things happened that weren't supposed to happen. Well, you trap a bunch of people in a house for a while, and then you stick some cameras in there, and some shit's gonna go down. And the producers know that. Yes. And it's bad for humanity, but it's great for
2: television. Well, it's funny. MTV just reran the original Real World series. The original one? The original, yeah. Like
0: if... Norm and Eric Neese and y- yes, Julie? Yes, yes,
2: yes. They just re-ran it uh, a couple months ago. Oh, man. Yeah, just, and it's funny to think how different it was. There was a lot of not stuff happening. Like, there was a lot of just people in a house hanging out. Like, they didn't yeah. know what they were doing. It was enough
0: just to show people yeah. living their lives before they realized, like, hmm, mm. television needs
2: conflict. Yeah, before they started taking sticks and just poking them. Poking them, that's yeah. right. Yeah.
0: Okay, everyone's going to have to shoot guns at each other.
2: <laughs> uh, what? Before they got, oh, we, get, we need to get a Nazi supremacist and a black militant to really make this work. Yeah. <laughs> It's not enough to get a white person and a black person We need the extreme Because this is the
0: real world Those two people Mm -hmm.
2: would live together Yes In a house And they all need to be working in a smoothie shop Yeah, they have to work in a smoothie
0: shop And then do some sort of uh, We have to paint over graffiti in the afternoon I mean, it's totally the real world During the day, you're like Fuck you, you're white Fuck you, you're black Now let's go to a bar And then it's like (laughs) Then they
2: go out A very well-lit bar Yeah (laughs) Yeah (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then they dance their differences away yes. until they're hung over the next morning and argue about who uh, left the cereal open. Exactly. The real world. That's it. That's exactly yeah. how the real world works. That's how it works around here. Well, I guess it's true. When you're in college, you don't get, really get to pick your roommate. <laughs> That's true,
2: yes. And often they will put a black belt it with a white supremacist.
0: You don't know. And yes. maybe it's a part of some grander conspiracy to like get people to understand each other. Although I doubt that we're that organized, yeah, isn't, that, isn't that called the world? I think that is just <laughs> isn't called,
2: called civilization—a grand conspiracy to get us all to get a figure can all get along better.
0: How how, how long have you uh, how long have you been out of San Francisco? Have you been out forever? Or... No,
2: no, I left went for this show. I was I left San Francisco six months ago or last June, so whatever
0: that is. So for people who don't know, uh, kamau is sort of a staple of San
2: Francisco comedy.
0: You don't, you don't have to say it, but I, I, I can say it.
2: It's funny because uh, that sometimes has sounded like an insult, but now it doesn't anymore. No, it's, it's not. not to have it, a job.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, if you, I'll tell you. Wait, it sounds like an insult if you're in San Francisco still. Yes, and yeah. you haven't been working for a long time. You're like this yes. guy is a yes. staple yes. of yes. San Francisco yes.
2: comedy. Yes. Somebody said legendary San Francisco comedian the other day. I was like, oh, thank God I don't live there anymore because that. <laughs> I've heard many comics get upset being called legendary in San Francisco. Well, because there are some guys who are still there. San Francisco is like a. It's like you know how every seventies television show had quicksand. Yeah, San Francisco is quicksand. Like <laughs> it'll, it will, it's it, it will slowly pull you under, and you don't. And it's a great place to be, but it, it will get its talent. It will slowly pull you down. I was, it's a great. I just gave the quicksand talents for a second, and I decided not to do that. It's a yeah. great.
0: It's a great comedy town, but the but the downside, the upside, and the downside is that. Um, Per capita, there are more. There's more, there's more literacy. <laughs> people are people listen. They're mm-hmm. great audiences. Mm-hmm. You can you can make the kinds of references that you can't always make in other parts of the country. Yes, and so that feels really nice. Yes, but then you go to other cities, and yes. you're like,
2: oh, not every city is like San Francisco to perform in. No, no, and I think that sometimes in San Francisco, and I know this of a lot of people. You sort of get all like San Francisco. Like I'm just gonna go back to San Francisco, where because that's where it's both. That's where they're smart. And blah, 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 but safe. Then you, but yeah, but then you also can't make a living. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I made a living, but I did a lot of things uh, to like uh, to keep my to, to put food on the table. You know, and, I, and they were all like, I wrote my one man show out there because I was like, I can't make a living just as a stand up in this town, and I don't want to go on the road because uh, I've been on the road uh, a little bit, uh, and it just was like, I can't. You know, it's the thing where I don't think I do that. Like, is that weird thinking? Like, I want to, what I do isn't necessarily what works 30 minutes feature spot in Tennessee. Right, right. I can get it to work, (laughs) but it doesn't, it's not exactly the best version of what I do. Well, San Francisco is a, I mean, it's
0: just, you know, I've done SF Sketchfest for the last, I think, eight years. Mm -hmm. And it's a town where people will come see a comedy show in a science center.
2: Yes. And they actually would rather see it there than at a comedy club. Yeah. They would actually rather. There's something about comedy clubs that are so like, mm, I wouldn't do that. Like a lot no. of a lot of my audience who I support me in San Francisco doesn't has never been to the Punchline or. Oh, really? Uh, oh. Yeah, I have a lot of audience. That's the thing. that's great about San Francisco. If you sort of get out of the club system, you can find an audience of people who think clubs are uncool, but will come see you in a science center or in an art gallery or you know. In the back of a bar or at a theater, you know, like that, right. that would never come to a comedy club because that's. I love. Gauche. I love Cobb's. There's just something about the punchline,
0: though, that it's. You know, I understand why, Chappelle, pretty much just performs there when he's in yes. town yes. because it's so. You're just in it with the people. And Cobbs is awesome if you yeah, can yeah, fill yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can fill it, it's the big part. Yeah. <laughs> but you can still have 200 people in Cobbs, and it's like, the room's empty. Yeah. you know. But yeah. Punch
2: is like, you if get 200 you, people in there, and it's a fucking... Some of them are standing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so... Uh, yeah, the wait staff can't make it around. I mean, yeah, the Punchline, it's like an old-school comedy club. You know, I mean, it's funny to think that that used to be considered a big comedy club, 175. But now that's like an intimate space where... Yeah, I mean, Chappelle. I saw Chappelle before. I've seen Chappelle do three hours there you know many times I used to open for him a lot because I was like one of the last guys in town who sort of he knew and that the club trusted and you know so I was there with him a lot of times
0: I got to open for him once or twice because I think I was supposed to be headlining a Thursday night or something and then he had one of those uh, things where each night he would do a show and then just tell Molly, who was running the punchline at the time, who is I adore, yeah. um, he would just say, okay, I'm going to come back tomorrow night. Yes, And yes. they would release tickets and it would sell out like that. Yeah. And so the, and so she was like, um, is it okay if Chappelle performs tonight headlines instead of you? I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> of course! And so I ended up getting to open for him and and I watched him do like, oh my god, it must have been It must have been, like, four hours. Yeah, no, I'm sure it was. And I know it sounds long, but for some reason, when you're watching him, it doesn't feel like four hours.
2: No, he... I saw him do... One time I saw him do a set that was five hours long. People literally left at daybreak, like the sun was coming up. And, uh, I can't imagine a more tight five-hour set. Which isn't to say that it was laughs all the way through, because that's impossible. But he kept the ball up in the air for five hours. And there would be some valleys, but he would bring it back up every time. He, he, I, I learned something from him that I I feel like
0: I started implementing instantly, which was this very just because of the way he does these longer shows, it's very much a dialogue with the audience. Mm-hmm. It's very conversational. And he just starts talking, and yes. then out of that they'll respond, and then somehow... He either weaves into pre-written bits, or he yes. weaves, or, or things just come out as yes. bits. Yeah. But it's it it just feels like a conversation with Dave Chappelle, as opposed to I just saw a comic do a bunch of times. Well, it's
2: funny. I remember because I started really working with him a lot right after he got back from South Africa after the whole Comedy Central thing, and it was funny to see how it evolved over time. Because when he came back from South Africa, at first it was like an hour and a half of just like brand new. <clears throat> I've been, like, I've been in South Africa thinking about all this stuff, and I'm here to bring it back to the people. And then at the end of the, about an hour and a half, two hours in, he would go, what do you guys want to talk about? And that would be then the next two hours, which is sort of be him talking to the audience. And then it became such an insular thing where the following nights he would talk about things that had happened the previous nights. Yeah. You know, like, there's a guy here last night who had a laugh like the Green Goblin, and then that becomes a bit. You see that bit get bigger over time. And then over, And then over the next couple of
0: days, you see bits really start to solidify. Mm-hmm. Like, they... they
2: Get exponentially better each night Yes it's And then eventually Like he's not doing any he, Now it's, it's like He wasn't doing any Of the hour and a half he wrote It was just all About the act of being in this place You know Yeah Yeah it was really You know and they taped all of it Someday I don't know if it's going to happen I feel like Chappelle's going to be like Tupac and Jimi Hendrix Where f- forever Every two years There's going to be a new Chappelle album that comes out from like oh my god cause they taped all of it they taped all of it you know at least for that two years or so
0: oh shit yeah he yeah. has a responsibility he's, he's sitting on like
2: that out he's sitting on i feel like uh, like there were uh, the hour and a half he came back from south africa with was probably was no it was one of the best hour and a half comedy i've ever seen in my life and he's sitting on it you know it's just like you because know, a lot of it was a little bit about comedy central but also about the nature of being a celebrity and it was i mean you know i was like it was People who think they know him as a comic don't know him if they haven't if they didn't see that. Well,
0: that's I, I think that seemed to be what might have been frustrating to him is that he actually has a lot of really poignant things to say, yeah. and he would go perform and people would shout out, "I'm Rick James, bitch!" Yeah, and it's like, yeah, yeah. On the one hand, you go, okay, well, it's great that because they, you know, that show mm-hmm. got people out to see him, but mm-hmm. on the other hand. I don't think he was mentally prepared for that, and he no, just uh, wanted to be a comic. He no. just wanted people to
2: listen to him. Well, that's the funny thing. I mean, even through getting, you know, me working on Totally Biased, I sort of said to a couple people, it's funny that you, bec- a lot of us become comics, if not all of us, because we don't want to work a day job. Right. And then if you really get good at it and get lucky... You get a day job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he says behind his desk. Yes, yes. And I sit behind my desk, yeah, it's like funny to think that if you're really good and you have some opportunities come your way, you get a day job. Yay! And it's that thing where suddenly, and I so I, not, I don't I can say I have no understand what Dave Felt went through, but I certainly get that there's this whole thing where you're in the middle of this, like, oh, this is totally not what I was prepared for, you know? Well, and I also think that uh, the idea
0: that You know, a lot of the stuff that he was tackling A lot of the race stuff that he was tackling on Chappelle's show That he noticed Oh, the wrong people are laughing at this For the Mm -hmm. wrong reasons Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you know, a lot of the uh, Once you give it away,
2: it's gone (laughs) (laughs) The audience decides how they're going to take it The audience decides how they're going to take it It's like, you know, I would imagine that the guy who invented the hammer is like, I didn't mean for people to hit people in the head with it. No, you know, like, like, it was no, supposed for, to... to build houses yes. and to make, you know, yeah. But once you give it away, it's gone. And so that's a, and I think that's hard for you know, that that's a hard thing to get a, wrap your head around sometimes.
0: The, the atomic bomb, I just made it because yes. I wanted to create big mushroom eyes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I had no idea people were gonna. I had no idea. Oh no! Oh no.
1: no! Yes,
0: yes. But, I wonder. <clears throat> Do you find that do you do you agree with that do you do you agree with that that take that the wrong people can take your stuff and and sort of use it in a way that
2: you didn't intend. Yeah, I think that's what that's probably 40% of what goes on on Twitter. Just <laughs> people taking your stuff and doing something with it that you didn't intend. Uh, I yeah, and I think it's sort of I think every if I can call stand-up comics artists for a second. Sure. Uh, uh I think it's every artist's responsibility to decide how they deal with that. Like I I totally understand some people being like, well, I don't care. I'm just going to do what I do and I don't care what happens with it. For me, it's like, I'm really going to work hard to make sure you can't do anything wrong with it. <laughs> <laughs> like, that doesn't mean you can't do something wrong with it, but I'm really going to try to craft the thing into such a thing that it sort of can only accomplish the goal I want it to accomplish. Which is very challenging because, particularly the kind
0: of stuff that you do, which is sort of challenging socially, mm-hmm. It. I wonder. How are you able to? How are you able to do that? That seems like an extra layer where you're like, okay, it's hard enough to write the material. Yes. Now I want to put corks on all the spikes so that people can't stab <laughs> each other. When... Well, I
2: mean, I don't know. I think that uh, you know the goal is still gut busting laughter, and I think that's... you know, and I think every sometimes people ask me that question. I feel like every comic has rules that they abide by. Like, I mean, Jim Gaffigan is making it a little harder on himself by not swearing or not talking about naughty business. Right. But he's sort of... You know, you can't say Jim Gaffigan's not one of the funniest comics in, You know, Brian Regan is doing the same. I think everybody has these rules. I think, but when your rules seem to be somehow pulling for the forces of good, people think more of your rules. Like, they sort of, You know what I mean? Like, we all sit down and go, I'm not... I'm sure there's things you're like, I'm not going to write jokes about this. Right. Just because... For whatever reason. But you probably have funny things to say about that, but you're like, I'm just not going to do that. But I think somehow when you're perceived as being political, as I've been perceived, or somehow, uh, I don't know, uh, trying to make the world a better place, as I'm sometimes perceived, which I'm not saying that's not the case, but I still, the goal is still gut-busting laughter. And we're all playing it, we all have rules in which we accomplish that. Isn't it interesting that what social media has done to
0: comedy, you know, again, good and bad. Good, oh, you get to, you know, send this message out to a large number of people. But then what you realize is, oh, fuck, comedy is not really intended to be for an audience that large. You know, it's an intimate experience and so you know, if you were to expand that room of 200 people to 2 million people, a percentage of them are going to hate you. A percentage of them are not going to agree with you. A percentage of them are going to be really offended no matter what you say Mm -hmm. because... Mm-hmm. Inside most comedy is a seed of something that's
2: offensive yes. to someone. Yeah, if it's not hurting somebody's feelings, it's probably not that funny. The- <laughs> <laughs> like I, just, I just think it's somebody's got to be like, "Hey, hey I love that." Yeah,
0: that's uh, and so it's you know what, I think what you find is that you go, "Oh yeah, comedy was never." Ma-. I mean, like you you wouldn't you wouldn't stand on a mountain and project your voice for two million people, a lot of them would not appreciate it at all and tell you to go,
2: fuck yourself. Yes. Well, and I think that that's, you know, like I just read an article yesterday uh, about the, like, the Australia, one of the uh, the Australian, some Australian comedy festival, I forget what it's called, but anyway, uh, Tracy Morgan was there. Uh, Tracy Morgan did a couple shows. Apparently people walked out because they found it offensive, and it's like, man didn't you read that article from two years ago? <laughs> like, <laughs> what did they think they were going to see? They think they're going to see Tracy Jordan. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> As
0: written by Tina Fey. You know. Now, that's also an interesting point, too. Of and, and certainly, I think the advantage to what you're doing, which is your show, is your point of view. Mm-hmm. So if people watch that show, and they go see you live, and they still go, hey, I'm offended. It's like, well, fuck you, that's your fault. Because yeah, yeah. you knew exactly... I, I kind of understand the disconnect of people thinking, you know, like when Patton was on King of Queens yeah, or with yeah. Tra- or with Tracy on the, on uh, 30 Rock, 30 Rock uh, you know, that people might go, oh, I thought it, ah, oh, fuck, because yeah. they, they think TV's real life.
2: But I mean, even with me, like, I've gone out since the show's gone out and I've done some shows, you know, I certainly, there's a, there's a you know, it's funny, there's a harder edge in the stand-up there isn't totally biased currently. Like, in stand up I, I think I dig in a little bit more than I've been than I've dug in on totally bias because I think still, there's still that thing on TV or you are trying to present it in a way then in stand up it can become more personal you know what I mean yeah I can sort of be like this is my uh, right now like the episode totally biased there's a sense of like I'm trying to speak for a bigger group sometimes yeah but on stage I'm speaking for myself a lot of the time so oh th- that's okay that's I can interesting. be a little bit more uh, I can be a little more uh, I can hold opinions that I know are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> on stage, you yeah, can. yeah, I can sort of be like, yeah, I, I know that's wrong, but this is the way I'm going to say. It. This is the way I feel about it today, you know. Whereas, in the, whereas in totally Bias in the last 19 episodes, because I'm still learning how to do it and figure it out, I really am like, okay, let me just try to make sure that I can defend this thing on Twitter later, <laughs> you know? Whereas right? In stand-up, there's kind of like, I remember Chappelle said this years ago when he when he came back and I was with me. He's like, dare to say something you don't believe, which I think there's an aspect of doing stand-up where you want to sort of sort of get as I say get over your skis and get ahead of yourself because you might find something interesting that you didn't know you were going to say so just let your lips go a little bit like sort of like you might find something that's like wow that's really not something I ever expected to say but yay and I feel like that's what Louis C.K. does a lot like he sort of allows himself to sort of talk ahead of his brain <laughs> and I don't mean that. I think he just. I know what like, you mean. Yeah, and then he gets to a place that's really interesting artistically. That may not be defendable in a court of law. You know what I mean? But it's right. a really sort. Of, but as a stand-up, I think that's what we're sort of going for: is to be in a, a place that's funny and interesting, especially with the voices of a million stand-up comics out there. Yeah, the one way you uh, can distinguish yourself is by not sort of editing yourself.
0: Right, and and I think also with stand-up there are ways that you can nuance your words yes. so that people... That you can
2: say something really awful, but then people know, like, yes. uh, okay, you don't mean it, or... Well, you've built up enough credit with them over the course of your performance that they know. Uh, it's you're like it's like if your friend says something awful, you don't judge your friend. You're right. Like, ah, oh, that's Billy. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I feel like, as a stand-up, we, if you build up a relationship with the audience, you get those moments, too.
0: Well, I think, and, and particularly, I think what Louis... The credit that Louis has built up is that he's... <clears throat> He he's he's incredibly human. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people accept about the horrible things he says. Like, yeah, yeah, he said a horrible thing, yeah. but I've said horrible things yes. and I've thought horrible things because we're people and that's and it, just And it's
2: fun to hear somebody say them out loud. It's fun to hear somebody <laughs>
0: saying it out loud. It's yeah. someone it's someone it's fun to watch to see someone admit
2: that they're as selfish
0: as I can be Yes,
2: yes. and own it. Yeah. And so I feel like with me now, with my with my act. I'm almost I think because of totally bias maybe it's becoming a little more personal because there's so much of totally bias that's like about the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that now it's like there's a lot about my act is becoming a lot more about me maybe. Uh, cuz I cuz I have plenty of time to talk about the world and I'll have a lot more time <laughs> once we go to 5 days a week in the fall. I know
0: that's going to be crazy. I mean like crazy in a good way but also crazy in a you won't really have time to yeah. second guess anything and it's going to be it might be a little more challenging to be like can I defend this on Twitter? Well, yeah, right?
2: yeah. Because you don't it's, fucking have time. I don't know. I mean, you know, I think that there's been examples of how to do it right certainly by uh, John Stewart and by Stephen Colbert of how to do it and, but they, I mean, you can, as a comic you watch those shows you're like there's a lot of work in that. There's a you know. There's, oh, yeah. Is, you know.
0: Yeah, I'm, like yeah. solid jokes every few seconds. Yes, every,
2: yes. You know, four days a week mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and And, yeah, solid jokes, and also from a perspective that seems consistent, you know, because we can all write jokes that aren't from a consistent perspective, but from a consistent perspective. So, you know, uh, yeah, I can't really tell anybody how it's going to work out. We'll all know in a few months.
1: Well,
0: (laughs) I think as long as you allow yourself to experiment, you'll figure it out. I mean, you'll just adapt. Yeah. Because you have a comics brain, and I think one of the muscles that we strengthen more than most professions is that... We know kind of how to adapt to a room, Mm -hmm. so you know, like, okay, this isn't gonna work. That's gonna work. It's this kind of crowd. Okay, I'll just play this. I'll be more crowd. You know, like you'll you'll figure it out. And I think
2: also, you know, we have a lot of comic brains out there too. And I think that right now, over the next seven episodes, and FX has been really uh, big on this, is telling us to experiment and like sort of like don't think whatever we think the show is now is the show. So we're gonna use the next seven episodes to really push the idea of the show and really sort of try to invent some new ways to do the show, whether it's more comics correspondence or field pieces with different people, to sort of still figure it out. Because I think that we're just, we're not, unlike those other shows, we're not really a parody of the news or anything, so we can sort of do whatever we want to do. Yeah. You know. Um,
0: and how would you describe, like in your head, philosophically, what do you think the
2: show is? Or what do you think your, what is your mission statement? Um... You know, what is the mission? That's a good question. I should probably have this written down <laughs> <laughs> uh I, You know, it's funny. It's there's. A, I certainly feel like uh, that, you know, it's funny, because the way the, the you start talking about this stuff, especially with, I think, with this kind of show, I don't know, maybe a comic starts talking about their comic, you can't help but feel like... We've been a conversation talking about their comedy camp. Before. Like, let me explain how my comedy is changing the world. It's <laughs> uh, just start to feel stupid. Uh, I really do feel like, like when I think of the image of the show, I think of like I was talking about this like because there's different ad campaigns that the show is doing. It's like I really want to do an ad campaign where it's like a hot tub, and like and like there's just a lots of different types of people in the. T- I feel like I'm creating a room and a space for everybody to for all the people who feel. Unincluded by mainstream society to be included. You know what yeah. I mean? And that comes from being in the Bay Area. Yeah. Like, so I feel like I want to create a space for people who don't have a voice to have their voice. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. it's, and I think that that, a comedic space, for example, like, so I feel like the more, when I feel the show's doing the thing it's, it's supposed to do, it's when I feel like there's things in the show giving voice to people who wouldn't have that voice anywhere else on television. You know? So that's what I feel like the show is. And sometimes that's my voice, and sometimes that's the writer's voice, and sometimes that's people on the street's voice, you know? Yeah. So uh, that would be the. I'll have to edit that down a little bit into a 140 <laughs> characters. But that's the mission statement of the show is like allowing people who don't have an opportunity to have their voice on TV, have their voice on television. And when we do that, I feel like we're successful. Like when we had. Uh, we did a thing in the last six episodes. I feel like the last six episodes are the best representation of that. We had a thing where when Barack Obama mentioned Stonewall during the inauguration, mm-hmm. uh, as being one of the big civil rights moments of America's American history, along with the uh, you know the bus boycotts, from Alabama, uh, and he mentioned Stonewall. And Guy Branum, who's a writer on the show, I know guy, yeah, yeah, he's he's right, out he's there, out right there. there, he's out there, he's great, he's great, yes, he's absolutely great. Uh, his idea was to have uh, a drag queen come on and talk about Stonewall and I felt like that's not gonna happen anywhere else yeah. Where the joke I t- you'll see a drag queen on its show, but the joke is that it's a drag queen you know right. like that's and with us it was like no, the joke was what the drag queen is saying. yeah, and it also was putting forth the political viewpoint. I felt like to me wa- standing on stage while that was happening because I just was off to the left watching it and watching the audience watching uh, sherry Sherry Vine do it. I was like, this feels like something that's not happening anywhere else and so for me when the show is doing things that I we're not we're not we're not doing our version of the daily show we're doing our own show that's when it's the best you know yeah. we have a piece right now that's sort of making it's way around the internet for the second time of uh, women talking about being catcalled on the streets mm-hmm. and it was just me on the streets talking about being catcalled. and it's you know women talk about that amongst themselves a lot but it doesn't happen in mainstream media and it was funny it wasn't just women complaining they were funny I was funny we did funny things with it and it's going around again, because I think this week was International Street Harassment Week. Against so you're supposed... Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh. Against Street Harassment. Yes, yes.
0: Hey, nice tits. What? It's International
2: <laughs> Oh, did I get that <sighs> wrong? Oh, shit. We should really rename this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Your tits are awful.
1: Oh, I it up again. <laughs> oh. 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 What am I supposed to say? I don't yeah. know what I'm supposed to say.
2: Nothing. <laughs> wait, wait! I'm supposed to say nothing. Yeah, I'm not just supposed
0: to not talk.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm supposed to not yell at strangers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's. The, I live in America. Yeah. <laughs> that might be San Francisco. This is New York. Yeah. It is New York. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's San Francisco too, but it's definitely New York. So.
0: How How has the media been describing the show? Is it, it? Are you? Do you kind of put your head in your hands if they're like? It's like the Daily Show, but with a black guy talking about blah blah
2: blah blah. It's you know, it's funny. I kind of understand. I, the more that this, I go through with this, the, the the I sort of understand people's need to catalog it that way because I feel like that's the first step into people taking it into their heart as something they like, and then it'll become its, it's own, own thing. thing. But they have to sort of like, what is it? Arr! And so I feel like if they go, I don't know what this is, then they're not like, then they can't take it in. <laughs> so I right. feel like so Black Daily Show, fi-, you know, first of all. I, the Daily Show is doing the, what the Daily Show does, so I don't think there needs to be a Black Daily Show.
0: But it's but, not. It's also. It's also not because it feels like you know the Daily Show is very. It's politics. Yes. It's, yeah. it's satire. It's, yes. it's skewering politics, and your show, drifts into that some, but then it's also like. But it's, there, it's there's just, the social aspect too, and just people.
2: Yeah. It's well, like social politics. Well, uh, well to me. Like when when I describe my act, I think of it as social. I do say social political because it's like. Sometimes culture is political. Yeah. uh, You know, and sometimes it's not. But I feel like it's that, like the first, I'd say our first 13 episodes, because they were sort of mostly during the election, we probably did feel more like the Black Daily show because we were talking about Barack Obama versus Mitt Romney, and I was supporting Barack Obama, clearly. And then after that, I feel like we've really drifted away from that in a great way. Yeah. Uh, And I think the reviews have reflected that. That, like, uh, I think the, it was, I think it was the New Yorker. That said, our gimmick was intersectional progressivism. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow!
0: That, is, that sounds like a very New Yorker phrase.
2: Yeah, it is. And I was like, I think I know what that means. And then I'm like, okay, yeah. And I feel like that's actually. And when I once I Googled all those phrases and put them together, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's that is what our gimmick is. Is that we sort of it's it's progressive politics sometimes beats only one drum at a time, and we're trying to beat all the drums at the same time. Right. You know? So. Uh, I think that's when it works its best, when it's like, I sort of feel like it's, sometimes you, in the Bay Area, you'll walk into a place, and you'll see a little bit of everybody in that room, and like, man, everybody, like, you know, there's there's a lesbians over there, there's gay guys over there, there's, you know, there's there's a, it, uh, people who support immigrant rights over here, and there's a, there's a Sikh over here, and I feel like that's the room I'm trying to create, you know, so, uh, yeah, in that sense, then it doesn't look anything like The Daily Show. It looks like our show. I'm
0: curious, what what's the delineation between... I mean, then this is for this is for any cultural uh, heritage. What what is the delineation between, you know, of being responsible to recognize your cultural heritage, and wanting to be identified for that, but then also at the same time going, yeah, but then I don't want to be identified. You know, like this is a, this is a roundabout. It's a dumb question that I'm no, asking. No,
2: no, 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 no. There are no dumb questions.
0: Okay, so as a as a black performer. Yes. If someone says, "Oh, he's a black comic," you go, "Why'd you have to say that? Why didn't you just call me a comic?" And uh-huh. other times, where you go, "No, I am a black comic, and I want to own that part of my heritage." For you know what I mean? Well, I think I
2: think in any anybody who's sort of in the other category in America, which is like you know, if you're if you're black, if you're, it's weirdly women are sort of an other, even though they're most of the population. Uh, gay. There's, I mean, there's a you know, it could be religion, could be Jewish if you're in the wrong room sometimes or another. Uh, so. You have to sort of, you have to reconcile what that means. And so for me, I get, the moment I step on stage, I'm a black comic. The moment I step on stage, and then it's up to me to sort of decide, how do I want to play into that or subvert that? Right. And so, and I think the thing you have to, you have to be aware of it. Like, I was just in South Dakota, I was saying before this, for a baptism. And, you know, I didn't see a black person the whole time I was there. And I was aware of it, <laughs> you know. Like I wasn't. Like I just. I was like, you know, I, like the whole time. I was like, I haven't seen a black person, and so that means I'm the only black person. Which means, and that which means these people aren't around a lot of black people. Which means I am taking up a space that they are unfamiliar with, and I have to sort of be aware of that, you know. And some people, it might not change their behavior at all. It just means that I need to be aware that that's that that means something here. You know, whereas if I walk outside in New York, I'm not the only black person you know, on this block. You're just a guy. I'm just a, I'm just I'm still a black guy, but I'm not the only black guy. <laughs> you know, like, which I think there's a big difference. You did know? you did you find in South Dakota that you feel like there was a responsibility to be you're know, like, hello everyone? There, no, I think that's I think in general as a as a black guy in America, when you when I enter a situation where I'm the only black person, there is a little bit of a sort of just be aware of the space you take up, especially as a six foot four black guy. Yeah. Like, be aware of the space you take up. Like, for example, my wife is white, uh, and we joke, but we're half serious about, like, if somebody, if we're in a situation. Where we need to return something at a store, I go. You know what? This is a job for a white lady. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's
2: just like because if I do it, I automatically sound angry. You know what I mean? Or, or there's a tendency to think that maybe what's going on here, black guy. You've got this to do thing. a segment on that on your show. Oh, it's coming. You've got to do
0: it. You <laughs> yeah. return something, and then your yeah. wife returns yes, something, yes. and then, then you see you see what the reaction yeah, is. Yeah, we call it trading privileges. Uh, yeah. I mean, the closest that I've the closest that uh, the closest that I've ever felt to that you know obviously there are 300 million white people in America so yes. if you're white you probably <laughs> feel pretty like oh hey what's, yeah. what's the problem everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. but the closest that I have felt to that is going to Europe and being American uh, yes. or even Montreal and being American but mm-hmm. but more so Europe where you know when you say American and you instantly in a few places I was in sort of felt this cold shoulder it's like Oh now I'm the American guy. Yeah, what yeah. did I do? Yeah. I didn't do anything, yeah. you know, but all of a sudden I represent this whole Cultural ideal that they have, and mm-hmm. th- I mean this cultural idea that they have in their head of what that means, and yes. there's nothing
2: I can do about it. Well, it's funny. Like I did the Edinburgh Festival two years ago. You know, have you ever done that? No, because I haven't. I just haven't. I know you, some you people don't say have time for that. I know some people
0: say like you can only do it for two weeks, but I think if you're going to do it, you should do it for the full month.
2: Well, no, I think if a, I, I, w- I guess yeah, I would agree with that. You might as well get all the way beaten down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can't really judge how beaten down you are in two weeks. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's a big commitment, so I did that, and it was funny to read reviews. You know and to find out how American people thought I was, and it wasn't about black, although it was about black American, you know like theres this weird thing about like that they have an idea that they were sort of disinterested in my Americanness. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't the black thing. It was like, oh, this American talking yeah. about all this race stuff. We, <laughs> we don't have any of that over here. Oh, really? Tottenham's burning down because uh, a black guy got killed by a cop. You know, so... They, but it was really weird to sort of take up that American space. And then they had to sort of subvert that space. You know, sort of have to feel like, you know, oh, you guys hit America? Hey, I'm from America. I have the information you don't have. Like, right. <laughs> I have it from the front lines, you know. So uh, it, it is funny to take up that space. But then also... Also behind that, have to hold the black... Still holding the black thing. You know? Yeah.
0: Um, this is a t- kind of a side note. Did you, ever, <laughs> did you see the interview with Sam Samuel Jackson and the guy and the kid who was interviewing him? Yeah, yeah. Well, up the, and well, he was uh, like... Jango, say the, it. The end word, say it. If you say can't, it. say it. We're not going to talk about it. Should the kid have said it? And and, uh, and
2: if he did, would it have been okay? Uh, well, here's the thing. I don't uh, speak for all black people, so, <laughs> so I can't necessarily say... He, would he have been okay certainly if he had said it some aspect of people would have been mad black white and all colors in between uh, I think they both handled that awesomely I think they did too I think that I that, think the kid did the right thing. I think the I think he did the right thing too because I think he knew he was being baited and there's no reason to take that bait no, you know, I think he. I think he even handled it in a way I thought that was really sensitive. You he know? was such
0: a sweet kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, yeah, sorry, yeah. I can't. I can't. I don't, don't want to say it. <laughs> say and I, it. Yeah, exactly. Which the, the sweeter he got, the more aggressive yeah. Sam Jackson.
2: Got. And, and I don't think. I mean, who knows what Sam Jackson wanted? Sam Jackson probably would have loved it if he said it anyway, just because it would have been. Sam Jackson clearly likes to just have the experience. <laughs> but I thought that dude handled it well, and I think white people can learn a lot from that. <laughs> I think it should be like a white training film, just because you can say it doesn't mean you should say
0: it. Well, Chappelle's got this, had this amazing bit about, he said he had a white friend who was really comfortable saying it when they were just hanging out with each other, like it was okay. Yeah. But they would go into a room and then he would say it and then Chappelle would be like, this motherfucker's great. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. No,
2: it's, I think the people, I have a bit that I've been doing now about how uh, I was in San Francisco and two different white people within about five minutes of each other said the word nigger to me and not calling me that, but it's I don't really draw, draw that distinction, you know, because if we're not in I, and so the, my, the whole bit is about like look, you may have people in your life that you can say that word with, right? but that doesn't mean you can say it with every black person right? You know? As, the joke is, we don't have the black people meeting anymore where we decide which white people can say the word nigger and which can't well, <laughs> I, I, I like we haven't it. had that meeting since 68 I'm from the south, and, and so what
0: I would hear I, what I would hear white people say is like, oh it's okay for them to say it, but not okay for me to say it and I always go, yeah Because it's their experience. Yes, yes. It's like, you can't, I can talk about my mom. Yes. You can't can't talk talk, about my mom. Yes, yes.
2: So that's a very easy thing to understand. Well, it's also the thing, too, is that you actually can say it. You just have to deal with the consequences. Right? <laughs> you, if there's nobody stopping you from saying it. You just then not have to deal with the consequence. You can do whatever you want to do in America. Literally, whatever you want to do. It's just some things come with consequences. Please make that a. There's a bit in there somewhere, yeah. and there's oh, a yeah, bit yeah. in there
0: somewhere. If you're if you're talking about that, and you're like,
2: there's a bit in there. Of
0: like you can say it. Yeah, say it. Just know that. Yeah, this yeah, is have, like, yeah there's, there's different levels of words. Yeah, that's fun. I, th- I think I think there's a. I think there's. there's a bit well, I just
2: there. did a, I did a show recently in a College. That as our, after I got there, found out it was a Christian college, uh, and I didn't know it. it was oh, like, those are the best when you show up and they're like, "Okay, so could you not say and yeah. like,
1: why yeah. didn't someone tell me that before? Yeah. I just yeah. flew yeah. a thousand miles."
2: Yes, I would have liked to have had an opinion on this. <laughs> uh, and so, and I called my uh, my manager because I was like, "Oh yeah, it's a, is, this a this is a Christian? Like I saw like a Bible quote on a wall, and I was like, hmm." And the thing that keyed me off, it wasn't one of the, as I say my act, it wasn't one of the top ten Bible quotes. You know, there's, there's those Bible quotes where you're like, do unto others, yeah, we can all... Yeah, exactly. Ah, oh, the, the footprints parable. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That's on every But then there's that level where it's like, second Corinthians. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty deep level yeah, of Corinthians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a That's a deep... That's an album two cut. <laughs> that's uh, a deep side cut. Side two. Yeah, it's a deep <laughs> cut of the Bible. A, that's a B-side. Yeah, it's a that's B-side. That's a Bible yeah. B-side. Yeah. And uh, so and I called my manager and I was like "They, so, yeah they don't want you to swear and I was like alright but uh, I, I can not swear for the night but do they know I say the word nigger like 19 times in my act and she's like oh they're fine with that
1: <laughs> oh
2: they are really oh well just like Jesus would be I guess yes <laughs> I just thought it was funny like oh that oh that's fine you're referring of course to Anglo white
0: Jesus with yes. blue eyes and yes, yes. And, and, golden and golden locks, locks of hair yes. and yeah. abs yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. it's red yeah just like Jesus would be yeah <laughs> I thought it was funny like to me like where people draw that distinction you know? right
0: yeah um do you uh uh you're is
2: Chris Rock one of the producers of your show he's uh, executive producer one of the executive producers of Tolly Bias and, Cl- yeah. and Chuck Yes, who's also right over there?
0: Chuck Sklar, I gotta say hi to him. I subletted an apartment from that guy. Oh, that's funny. During September 11th. Oh. Well, I was I moved out here because I was supposed to go back and forth to L.A. and then that and then that happened, and I was like, I think I might not want to travel back and forth every other week. So someone hooked me up with Chuck. Oh, there's a comic named Chuck. He's got a place like in Soho, ah. and I subletted his apartment for like six months. Oh,
2: that's funny. Yeah, yeah. No, he's right here. He's a uh, yeah. He's he's he doesn't have that apartment anymore. Uh, but yeah, he's 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 got a house in L.A. that he's. We're all sort of for a while. We're just temporarily stationed here. Right. And now that the show's been picked up for. 135 more episodes. We're all moving here. That's know, true. In one level or another. Let's be honest.
0: You'll really just have enough time to go sleep. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. I got a daughter.
2: I'd like to see her get you older. Probably, yeah, <laughs> like you to... might have to just bring her here yeah. and let her hang out. Well, and... she does come to the tapings. Uh, she's she's come to most of the tapings of the show, which is great just to have her around. How old is she? She's almost two. She'll be two May 25th. Adorable. Yeah, yeah she is. She is. <laughs>
0: and, and all of the things that you're saying, she's... It's, she's absorbing
2: all well it's this. funny the other night I did a show in Oakland at the New Parish uh, and she came my wife because the show was at 7 so like she goes to bed at like 8.30 so we're like oh she can come and she'll just go to bed a little later and so she came to the show and she's, she was in, like the VIP section which is right over the stage so I can sort of hear her over my head as I was doing my act and my wife said she paid attention to a lot of it sometimes she did cartwheels because that's, <laughs> that's what a two year old does like time to do cartwheels time to draw uh, and then afterwards, it was funny. Like people were telling me that, like, there was times where she was really paying attention and she would repeat what I said. Uh, and there was times where she was like just watching. And then afterwards, my wife was like, "What do you think about Daddy's work? What were the people doing?" And she 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 clap. <laughs> and then she like, "What else are were doing?" She would laugh. So she was clearly <laughs> taking it in and realizing that Daddy was making people clap. And You're laugh. gonna get
0: a phone call
2: when she starts preschool, and like, um, your daughter said the N word nineteen times. <laughs> no. <laughs> And see, I'm the dad and, who'd be like, well, tell me what was going on. Was <laughs> <laughs> Sam Jackson there? Did yeah, yeah, yeah. the There may be a reason. I'm not saying that there is a reason, but I need to know the circumstances before I get mad. What was the um, the uh, the W. Kamau Bell Curve show?
0: Yes. What was the, because I, from what I read, mm-hmm. this show was, the, the uh, Totally Biased was sort Chris, of Chris Rock saw of that. that show. Yes.
2: And I know you were touring that show for a long time. So what mm-hmm. what was the what was that show? Well, it's funny because when I first met you, <laughs> what was it? It was it was like ten years ago. Or something. Probably, yeah, yeah. And I was and I, <laughs> I met you. I was I was part time managing the punchline because I was trying to find a way out of comedy. Uh, Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. When I met you, I was why? like, I was why? Why did you Because I was just I had banged my head up against the wall, and I was like, I just don't know how to make what I. How want long to have you to been do. doing it at that point? Uh. Four or five years or so? Yeah. So, like, at a point where I was, like, felt like I'd seen lots of my peers sort of, like, you know, and people... I, it's the point where you see people behind you pass you by that you're like, huh, I don't think I'm doing this correctly.
0: Yeah, well, okay, so okay, so just the timeline of that. So, ten years and then five years beyond that. So, mm-hmm. like, 97, 98. By that mm-hmm. point, you would have seen, like... <clears throat> well, Dana Gould was a
2: little before. he's before, yeah, but the uh, there.
0: But you know, the Pattons and the Brian, the Postings. Yeah, no. And I, when the-
2: I moved there, those people had just <laughs> had just moved, shipped out of town. So when I was there, Arge was like the one of the Arch kings Parker, of town. Yeah. Uh, but like. I'd say, you know, it's funny, the guy who, uh, Al Madrigal was a guy who started a little bit after me and then was gone. (laughs) Like, you know, and then he was just suddenly like, oh, Al's going to be famous soon, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Al got a ticket for fame. And so I was a part of it. But then a class of people started after me that was like uh, uh, Moshe Kasher, Brent Weinbach, Jasper Redd, Louis Katz, and a lot of those dudes were gone fairly quickly. And so I ended up being like, i got to figure out a way around this and I don't know how to do this. And so out of some frustration, I decided to, I had been working in the solo porns community in San Francisco, directing and actually teaching people how to do it, because I had sort of gotten through, a, I met a guy who had a solo show, he knew I was a comic, we hung out one time, I saw a solo show, and he was like, I'm having problems with it, and just because I had a comic's mind, I was like, well, I think you should move this part here, because you're not, in this part, take out, because it's distracting, and so I started directing his show. And then I started, he recommended to me to other people, so I was directing other people's shows. And at some point, I got really frustrated with, like, I was sort of telling people, do what you believe, do what's on your heart. You got to be out there and, and really, and and say things you're afraid people will be offended by, you know, all this stuff. And then I'm going in the, in like, you know, at night going to the punchline. You ever notice how men sometimes... But that's what's so... <laughs> you know, you're
0: so lucky that you had that experience because I think the biggest, the biggest challenge sometimes with comedy, I think, is... Is how to get out of your head for a minute, yeah. and so they gave you uh, the ability to get out of your own head and say things that you just never would have thought. To I yourself. never would have thought.
2: I never would have thought if people weren't sitting <clears> there <throat> waiting for me to say things. So, and then I decided to. I sort of basically the idea behind the bell curve was like, I want to write the show that I think I would do if I was famous.
0: Oh, that's really that's really interesting.
2: <laughs> like that was basically like, what would I be doing if I was famous? What would the show be? And I would be like, well, it'd be, at that point, I was like, well, it'd be about racism in America. Uh, I would use video clips and slides, and I would create slides and video clips. And it would be, and I was like, okay, it'd be an hour-long show. And then the title sort of hit me at one point. Like, I, did, I had all these different titles for it. It was like, wait, The Bell Curve, the book that said Black People Can't Learn. Oh, my last name's Bell. Ah! Like, you know? <laughs> and so it was the W. out Bell Curve, Ending Racism in About an Hour. <laughs> and uh, and and I said about an hour because I didn't think I'd have an hour of material, so I was like, "Well, if I do forty-five, that's enough." for the first it doesn't night, even matter. It just sounds and, funnier. It does sound funny. But then eventually, it, yeah, it ended up being that I had every night was over an hour because I just had so much stuff, and I was so it was so fun to be in an environment where there was an audience of people who were just like, "We're just here for you to do what you do," and I sort of got to stretch out and really find new bits and find new ways of talking about things and be more courageous with the subjects I chose, and and out of that came the eventually I got a director, my friend Martha Reinberg, who I met through solo performance, and we sort of tightened it up into this, like, it could be anywhere from like an hour 20 to 45 minutes, depending on how we did it, and that became the W. Club Bell Curve, and I took it to the Comedy Central Stage in L.A. several times, Paul Stein directed it there a bunch of times, and then directed it in New York, and brought it here to the French Festival here, brought it to the Festival, took it to the Edinburgh Festival, and just sort of basically taking it around to colleges, sort of, and, you know, it was just a hour-long show that was about that was always very topical so it, it taught me how to write topically very quickly like i would have to do whatever racism stuff was in the news and because barack obama was running for president there was a lot of racism <laughs> stuff in the news. and uh and then also there would be personal stories from my life about racism that were sort of longer form but still had the spine of stand-up comedy in them and you know i it became a thing i did in san francisco for like i started in 2007 and basically did it for a year and a half straight it, once a week, twice a week, three times a week. And out of that, I was able to do it other places. Well, yeah, and if you're doing it that much for a year and a half, then the show just gets super tight. No, it was funny. I did it, yeah, because I did it for like, I did a three month run three times a week, and that's the most I'd ever performed at, at that point ever. Like, you know, because even if you're doing, I wasn't headlining at that point, but even if you're headlining, you're doing an hour, three nights a week. But it was like, this is like an hour and a half, three days a week, you know, really digging in and.
0: Well, and in San Francisco is a little bit like LA in the sense that, and New York too, where it, it's you're not you're not going to get to do an hour every night. No, yes, like, yeah, you can yeah, yeah, do. Yeah.
2: You'll do like oh, yeah, ten minutes. Yes, uh, you yes, know, yes. Here and there. Tonight you can do fifteen. You <laughs> know, like so. Yeah, so I really got a lot of stage time and got a lot of support from the community, and it wasn't. A lot of people hear comics doing a one man show or do, doing a solo show. I'm like, oh, he's just going to tell his jokes slower. Uh, <laughs> but for me, it was like, I was really like, there was a lot of, there was a big audio visual component to it that other people didn't have and weren't expecting. And then when people came and saw it, they're like, oh, this isn't that thing. Yeah. And so it already, I think when Chris saw it, It already kind of looked like TV a little bit, you know, sloppy TV, but certainly like, oh, he's got a screen, and he's talking to the screen, and he's showing clips, and he's engaging with the audience, and it's topical, so I think Chris could see like, oh, if this guy had a TV show, he already knows how to write topically, he's got a fit, he's got a perspective, and he thought it was funny enough, you know, like, I think it was just like, in his mind, it was just like, those things make TV, you know, so I did it at the UCB Theater, and he just happened to, he, not happened to, he had been told about it from Chuck. And from another woman named Jocelyn Cooper. But he floated in after the show started, apparently, and then after I, I didn't know he was there, and after I finished, he came backstage, and it was just like, oh. It's probably good you didn't know he was there. Yeah, you mm. know, people say that, and I think it is good. I, he knows. I've talked about this before. He I, he knows he's a Jedi of comedy. You know, like He knows that his presence alters the environment, you know, so I think he knew enough to come in late, you know, yeah. or, or come in after the lights went down. Oh,
0: my God. Oh, I remember hearing stories from Louis C.K. about Chris Rock Teaching him stuff about comedy, yes, uh, that were of just like simple things where you go, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Maybe I shouldn't be listening music to music on the way to a show. I should be thinking about what I'm going to be talking about on
2: stage. Well, no, yeah, Chris is really like I think the one thing about being around the show is that he, you know, he comes he comes to. I think we've had 19 tapings and he's come to like 18 of them. Oh my god! And the one he wasn't at, he actually watched on a closed circuit feed and then called when he had advice or suggestions. He pitches jokes. But he's really a much, as much as people think he's a great comic, he's a much, he's a he's a much he's got an even better comedy mind than people realize. Do do you, how do you? Uh, <laughs> At what point did you get comfortable? Tell like going.
0: I don't know if that joke's gonna work.
2: Uh, the, when he filmed
0: Chris Rock pitches a joke. We've done
2: 19 episodes. I'd say the 19th episode. They were finally like, I don't know. It's funny. There was this moment, and uh, everybody sort of laughed when it happened. It was when Oscar Pistorius. That story broke about the oh, yeah. South African mm-hmm. yeah. sprinter. Uh, and Chris was just he because sometimes he can just dig in. He was just going off, and he had all these jokes about it and all these things. And and I just like we, we used I used one or two of them, and then uh, and then he just kept going because he just was like on a he was like he was on a roll basically. And after he finished it, at one point, I was like, I look forward to seeing those jokes in your next special. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole room sort of exploded in laughter, because it, like, it was like that scene in Goodfellas, like, ah, look, spider! <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like, and he luckily didn't shoot me. Uh, but in, then the next time I talked to him, he was like, he actually was very complimentary. He's like, yeah, he's like, you're running the show, you got it now. He's like, yesterday I pitched five jokes, she took two of them and told me the other three were bullshit Chris Rock jokes, and he went on. Oh. You know, so he wants to see that. He doesn't want to feel like he has to be
1: around.
0: Well, yeah, and also, you know, if he's a comic, if he's, mm-hmm. a, real, if he's a real comic, then he... He doesn't want you to
2: patronize him. He understands
0: that yes. not every joke is going to work,
2: or not every joke is going to work for me. You know, I think that that's the one thing that I think we're learning. I'm learning with this process is like being able to go. That's a good joke, but I can't say that joke. No, yeah. I don't want to say that joke. You know, so yeah. No, he's been a great. Forget the television show. If Chris had just been in my life like this for the last seven or eight months without the TV show it would be beneficial <laughs> if i was paying him <laughs> like a monthly fee to just come around and be in my life and help with comedy it's been beneficial i mean it's it's you know it, again it's it's certainly a luxury problem
0: but i'm sure frustrating as a comic where he it's like people don't necessarily allow someone at his level to just workshop material
2: uh you mean hit, on stage he well, he, but he does that. He I know uh, he'll yeah. go up with like a notebook yeah, and just start yeah. doing jokes and yeah, like, yeah. And sort of like yeah, no. But he likes being around the writers and he likes he likes being in the room and riffing stuff out and you know he he likes the com- like he always said that his goal was to be a comedy writer and the only way he knew how to become a comedy writer was to be a stand up. Oh wow, yeah. Which is just the funny thing to think that he just because he didn't come up. It's funny to think that if Chris Rockett ended up at Harvard. He would just be a a a, a producer. (laughs) (laughs) He'd be producing, (laughs) like you know, yeah, maybe he'd be producing Saturday Night Live or something. But yeah, That his goal was to be a comedy writer, but at his where he was and who he was, oh, you got to be a comic to be a comedy writer.
0: So what uh, what do you when you? Well, it's going to all
2: change now when you go to a daily format. But but
0: how much of the stuff that you come up with on the show do you kind of have baskets in your head where you go? That's a stand-up joke. This works for the TV show. This might actually work for both. Like, do you... Cause, cause, because your stuff is topical, Yeah. how much do you want to cycle through?
2: Material? Generally, like, one thing Chris said early on is, like, don't save anything. Don't feel like you're saving something for something else. Put it all into the show. So that's generally my point of view is, like, I sort of first go, will this work for the show? And if I go... If it, then if it... If, like, for a lot of times, if it's, so, if it's really personal, I just sort of put it in stand-up. Mm-hmm. Like, but generally, if it's about something that's happening right now. i like, this is for the show. You know, so... Uh, right now, the baskets are just... I, I sort of want to squeeze everything into the show, and then if it doesn't fit in there, we'll put it in somewhere else. Do you still have stand-up? Will you, I, will you still have stand-up energy once the Daily Show starts? I don't know. I mean, it's funny. I think about the Daily Show. You don't... I mean, I, I, I hear that Stuart does stand-up occasionally like at colleges, but you don't hear about like those guys like I mean Stewarts a stand-up but yeah, I feel like you don't hear about those people doing stand up tours so I'm sort of like am I about to retire from stand up comedy like, well yeah. especially if you if you have a family if you're working all week yeah, it's yeah. Like, and someone goes hey do you want to you know do you no. want to fly across
0: country on a saturday no. uh, i i yeah, yeah, kind of want to sleep in some time
2: sl- with my kids yeah yeah no i i uh, it depends on how, what the hiatuses are like, but I certainly, you know, I'm gonna say I feel like I'm gonna say the thing that I hear everybody say. I'm always gonna be a stand-up comic. I feel like I've heard Ellen DeGeneres say that, you know, right, you know? Right, right. And then they go, I just don't have the time or the energy.
0: Really, the only guy that I ever really believe is Louis cuz yeah. he's you know even when he was working on Conan or writing for like he would still sneak out and do a set and then come back to work.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think he and but I think he's now he's been able to design his schedule such that like he took a year off from his FX show Yeah. so he could do stand up. You know like he was really yeah. like able to sort of like he's I mean he's got the in the him in between he's got one of the best positions in all of comedy. <laughs> like you know just sort of like I it all depends on what I want to do. FX know? has a really good
0: it's just a cool channel. Like they have a really good grouping of shows, and and so are the the channels are splitting off. Yes, right. Yeah. So the main ch- the, there's going to be the original FX channel, but then yeah. there's like there's also another FX channel. There's
2: there's FX FXX, which is where totally biased. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, and the league are going to, mm-hmm. and then there's FX, which is Lily, and like all the drama shows are staying on FX. They're justified, justified, and, and, uh, yeah. and uh, Sons of Anarchy, and then uh, FXM. Uh, is going to be a lot of movies, but also I guess they're going to do some more miniseries. Okay. So yeah, I think they're just sort of, you, you know, I think they feel like the brand is powerful enough to split it up, and and unfortunately, FXX is going to take over what is formerly Fox Soccer. So sorry, soccer fans. <laughs> <laughs> if you have been more thorough and watched more, you would you still have that? Kind of your
0: fault for not yeah. supporting. Yeah. But I feel like uh, that it doesn't, you know, like the content <laughs> is what dra- what draws people now. So. Yeah. No.
2: Yeah. I feel like you know, there's this part of this that could be like, how come we don't get to stay on the big network? But it's also like, you know, if two years ago somebody had said you're gonna have a, uh, you're gonna be part of the launch of a new cable channel, I'd be like, yay! <laughs> like, yeah. so to me, it's like people find their media where they find their media. You know, ultimately, a lot of people watch our show on the internet anyway. So, right. You know, I'm not really, I haven't given a lot of thought. I'm just, I'm excited to be able to try to do it every day and see what happens. Like, you know, one day a week was sort of almost killing me for 13 weeks. In the last six episodes, it was like, okay, we figured this out. So I assume it's probably going to be hard the first... I'll tell you what. Having
0: worked on... Because um, I, I, I worked on a show on G4 called Attack of the Show. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was not I, I was not on every episode of Attack of the Show. But there were definitely stretches where I would fill in hosts. So I'd be like, for two weeks, I would do the show. And you are exhausted by the end of the week. But what is so great about it is it's just like, like I said before, there's no time to second guess. Like you get an idea and you go, fuck it, great, let's just do it. We'll just make it work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you do it and you forget about it and the next day you start all over again. And there's something really fun about that where you don't really, your energy... That you had before in a weekly show where you're pouring over every yes. nuance and
2: joke. Like, oh, I don't know. Should we well, no, it's that, that thing where you write a joke on Monday and by Thursday you're like, I don't even know what this means anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's all, that yeah. all won't happen anymore. Because yeah, 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 yeah. you'll
0: just like, fuck, we got to make a show. Yeah. No matter what happens every night, is your show going to be live? Uh, live to tape. Live to tape. Okay, yeah. so you'll probably tape it in the evening, and then it'll go on. Yeah. Later. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's fucking. That's great.
2: I think. Well, I, I think that's you a know, good I, way to do I, it. Like the way Chuck describes, like nobody says, like you think, you think like the New York Times. Nobody goes. Yesterday's, yesterday's New York Times was really bad, but today's was better. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just sort of like it just sort of exists. Yeah. You know? you know, and there's parts you like and parts you don't like, but so he like where there's almost less pressure on each individual show but still i feel like the pressure just my pressure is to support the brand i would hate to think that if we started doing daily that it, the brand would be that suddenly he, we were doing things that we wouldn't have done you know that that would that we would have thought were beneath us you know what i'm saying like right. there's, there's a real temptation to sort of like just I think we've sort of built we've built a strong brand and I think there's some people who are really starting to respond to it. And I think the, the temptation would be like, I don't know, just a pie fight. <laughs> you, know, <just> <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> you gotta fuck. fill a space. Just a just a pie fight. Well, I don't know that
0: you've just described attack of the show. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We'll so. just have Olivia jump into a cake, into yeah, a pie, into yeah. a giant pie. Although that kinda was important to the brand, wasn't Speaking it? Speaking of pie, did I notice a pie on your
2: arm? A pie? Oh no, this is uh this is the number oh, thirty seven. No, wait a minute, that's number thirty seven, but look Oh, that's funny. If that I funny. if I
0: just see this much of it, that's
2: funny. That I looks never, exactly I've, like a pie. I've never had that. I've never had anybody else see it as that. way. When it's just part. the bottom of the
0: three and the bottom of the seven, that it, would have it,
2: been a cooler tattoo. <laughs> 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 Instead of a thirty-seven written in my ex girlfriend's handwriting. Uh, yeah. Forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, most times I forget that part, but I'm looking at it, like, yeah, hey, that's right. But yeah, that's funny. You could just color in the top and it could just be a pie. Like kind of what Johnny Depp had to do with Winona on his... Uh, oh. <laughs> you know? He had a Winona tattoo that now says wino. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like wine. oh just... No. About yeah, no. 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 Yeah,
0: Nona, me. it's Italian for grandma. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Everyone yes. knows that. Everybody knows that. Yeah, That's win. Right. Win-o. 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 <laughs> Winona, yeah, damn it, yeah. I so. guess I'll just start dating Winona Ryder again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's the solution.
0: Winona Ryder just disappeared. Yes. Come on, Winona Ryder. She did her. Uh, her and uh, it's funny.
2: Her and Molly Ringwald both uh, went to this. I've seen more of Molly Ringwald in the last few years than I have of Winona Ryder. Well, she disappeared earlier though. So she did. She's ready for this. So Winona Ryder in five years will be back. Do you think? I feel like she's just done. I feel like just <laughs> she just like, went through fuck a, the business. She was like one of the first people who went through the really sort of like media side of like, you know, like the whole, when she, she was convicted of shoplifting and it was right when we started to become an entertainment news culture. Right. So that became a big story.
0: I remember it even went back further than that when she was dating Johnny Depp or dating like Dave Perner. You know, and it was like, they'd show up to the award shows and Dave Perner would have his strategically disheveled hair. Yes, yeah. And, uh, you know, and it was like, oh my god, Winona
2: Ryder's dating a bad boy, this m- sweetheart of our culture. Yes. I, I mean, I feel like that, that what happened with her is a symbol. I mean, I feel like that's all connected to, like, Chappelle and, like, that thing about, I, I totally get that thing about, like, there's those celebrities where you don't know anything about their personal life. Right. I think that that's a really great way to do it. <laughs>
0: you don't yeah. really protect that side of your. Well, story. it's weird because I think some of the responsibility is on the part of the famous person mm-hmm. because I think at an early stage they play into it because they're like, oh, look, attention, yes. Fred. And yeah. then at a certain point, it's just like, it's, you know, like, you know, if you have a disagreement with someone and then all of a sudden in two seconds you're just shouting and you're like, what did this get out of control? I can't control this. I yeah. think that's probably what happens but I remember talking to Joel McHale when he worked on that movie with Matt Damon he goes you don't really know much about Matt Damon you know he's got a kid you know he's married married. personally you don't know much about him he goes we go to the airport he just puts on a hat keeps his head down no one bothers him (laughs) he doesn't you know like he doesn't have a publicist calling to tell people like he's gonna show up at this place to shop because you want to be there with paparazzi like there's a certain I think
2: there's a little bit of you can control Right Versus Ben Affleck Who was like I'm dating J-Lo Oh my god Man, you remember that music video. Yeah, video? Yeah 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 Like I'm gonna be I'm gonna let you know Everywhere I am You know Did you see there's an House of Lies you, uh, Oh yeah yeah The yeah, Don, House of che- Lies. The yeah, Don yeah. Cheadle show Yeah uh, There's an episode With Matt Damon Where he's basically Playing the bizarro Version of Matt Damon <laughs> the, guy, the guy who is like on the cover of everything and is really an asshole it's really funny oh see that's him, cool yeah, see him skewer because he yeah clearly he's doing it on a purpose he's actively not being involved in all the things and being you know just like you said putting the hat on and just sort of how much
0: how important do you think do, do you do you have complete disdain disdain for all of that part of our culture that's sort of like you know tabloid? because I you know I look at the tabloids and I go okay, here's what this is. These are reality shows for really famous people who, a lot of which would never be on a reality show. I mean, Kardashians aside. Yeah. But, you know, this person broke up with this person
2: and yeah, did this yeah, vacation
0: yeah, yeah. and yeah. look at them, they're losing the baby weight. Like, here's some yeah. pictures yeah. from a vacation that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I... you know, it's funny because there's every, occasionally, like, because the show covers a lot of things and sometimes, like, we'll, like, we, we started this ongoing, like, do we have to talk about Chris Brown again? Right. Uh, you know, I, I, I I just feel like in, in with our show, in 21 minutes and 15 seconds, there should be enough to talk about that we shouldn't have to spend too much time talking about that stuff. Yeah. Uh, not that I even... If people want to know about that stuff, there's plenty of avenues for them to go to that deal with that stuff. Sometimes that stuff does deal just sort of veer into, you know, you want to have a take on it because it actually is a window into a bigger discussion. Uh, but how do you get into that Like with Chris Brown, there's a lot of... Things about that that are like that are windows into bigger discussions about how you know about domestic violence, and, right. you know those kind of things. But then, how do you make that funny? I don't know. We're working on you know so, but. Uh, you know, it's funny. Like I, I remember I've been I've been on some. I'm sure you've done a lot of the shows where they have a panel show where they just put a bunch of comics and people like sure. throw you topics out. And sometimes it'll be like, "What do you think about Lindsay Lohan?" I'm, I don't know. I think she needs help. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Can like, you help her? <laughs> yeah. I think she really needs some better people. I don't have. I feel like I don't want to pile on her. Yeah. Well, the fucking tabloids is like this bitch is
0: crazy. This bitch is crazy. This bitch is crazy. Why is she so crazy? Yes. Well, yeah. stop poking her. Yeah. 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 Let her just live. It's her like it's like it's like hovering over a. An, an adorable puppy, and then just poking him in the face, and, yes, and then eventually yes. he bites you, and yeah. you're like, "Well, how could this happen?" Yes, I mean, yes. you poked him in the face a hundred times.
2: <laughs> like, there's all this stuff, like all this Amanda Amanda Bynes. She's yeah, like pictures of her in New York walking. I'm like,
0: oh, just let her. And now everything she she just picked up an apple. Is this yes. is this weird behavior? Yeah. I don't know, she's like, I you mean know. she has
2: done some weird stuff. Yes, of course. But I but feel like putting it under a microscope is I don't not gonna that, help. Yeah, I don't know that us talking about it is gonna help unless we're actually gonna try to help her. Like i feel like that's the thing. Like sounds like these people need help.
0: And you put her in a you put her in a position where and you put her in a position where anything she says, they're gonna go, Well she's crazy. Even yes. if she's like, Hey guys, uh, even if today even if tomorrow she held a press conference and said, I know it seems like I'm crazy, you know, I am not really crazy. Yes, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, she's in denial. Oh, she's claiming she's not crazy. That's the craziest crazy of all. <laughs> do you think um, do you think with comedy, do you believe that uh, that anything is off limits, or do you feel like with comedy all bets are off as long as it's funny?
2: I feel like I feel like comedy the thing that comedy can do is that it can take a difficult subject and make it easier to talk about. You know. Right now, you know yesterday I think happened in Boston that we're still sort of sorting through, like what happened with the marathon and the bombs exploding. I think com, com- like comedy's job, not every comic's but there's a part of comedy that is to like Sift through that and go. How can we make this make a little bit of sense, or make or take some air out of this? You know, uh, so I don't think everything. I think everything is able to be processed through comedy. It's just some things are harder than others. I was supposed to perform. I, I, I was supposed to perform last night
0: and I I, I canceled because I just couldn't. I was supposed to do uh, the Whiplash show at UCB. Oh yeah, and I and I felt bad because I'd called and or I'd emailed Jeremy Levenbach and I said, Hey, I'm in town. Mm-hmm. Can I pop up tonight? And he was like, Sure. And then that happened. And I emailed him in the middle of the day, and I was like, I, "I don't know." And he goes, "Well, think about it." And then in the evening, I just I emailed him, and I was like, "You know, I just feel too sad, and I, and I don't feel like I I don't I knew one of two I, one of two things were gonna have to happen. Number one, I was either gonna have to go on stage and sort of deal with it mm-hmm. the way that I saw Geraldo do." at the comedy cellar right after 911 mm-hmm. and he did it in such a wonderful way that helped people really yeah it was respectful but it helped people kind of deal with how fucking freaked out everyone was yeah and i don't feel like i'm good at that <laughs> 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 and and so i i just felt like i would just go on stage and be sad and i certainly didn't feel like i could go on stage and be like one time I put on these crazy animal pajamas. Like I just couldn't yeah, 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 do it. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I call I had to say, like, I'm sorry, I just yeah. I just don't I can't do no, it. No, yeah, tomorrow.
2: and I don't and I think that the, the best the best part of that is to know, hey, I don't have I don't I don't think we have to, I don't think we should feel like we're the Marines where we have to wade into every situation. Right. I think every comic has a different ability to do that and I think on some level, sometimes I think the thing I remember after September eleventh is seeing audiences who didn't want to think about it at all and right. just wanted a guy to talk about animal pajamas. Right. <laughs> you know? Like I think they were like, Oh good, he's just talking about animal pajamas. Right. Uh, so I think that, you know, certainly those things can be you know, comedy can do that too. It can distract you in a healthy way, you know. So but I don't think any subject is off limits. I do think comics can there's a the thing about I think like it happens to comics when they're young in their career, but it also comics sometimes do the thing where they wade into situations to show how tough they are. Right. And I don't think that's helpful. No. You know? Yeah, like, and I, I think... Yeah, I'll say it. I'm not afraid. I'll yeah, say it. It's just well, like,
0: yeah. is, that, is that really the best choice? Yeah, well,
2: why does it, Why does that matter? <laughs> you know, like, so... I mean, I feel like, you know, we just talked about the word nigger. I think a lot of comics try to throw that word around to show how tough they are. I think a lot of comics... There's a, there's a weird, uh... The last couple of years, a weird, uh... Rape wave in comedy Like where comics Are sort of like Wanting to take that on and sort Well of I think that, that I've, I've, I sense that
0: That's died down Yeah Because I think it, You know And it's typically I think it's typically More young comics Yes I think because, that's true I think you get to a point Where you go I can say whatever I want I'm gonna say anything Well I think it's I, I, I don't think it's too I don't even think It's about Making rape jokes To be honest with you I think it's about A young Kind of an experienced Comic on stage Who <laughs> is thinking okay I could either really try to craft a joke about something else to make people laugh yeah or it's this kind of punk rock place and that I think in their minds it's a punk yes. rock place where they go I'm gonna get a reaction out of the audience yes I'm gonna shock them so I'm just gonna say something that no one else would say in front of them or that yeah. they, they that I yeah. know that I shouldn't it's, say in front of them just to get a reaction even if it's not laughter
2: yes yes it's it's searching for the, it's searching for edge yeah and I think that uh the, but really, to me, it's no—it's just a—it's like a baby with a shotgun. Like it's yeah, just like yeah, it just, yeah. like, just like yeah, it doesn't mean it's edgy. You no, know, it just, you're like sir, you just want to play with all the tools, and right. I think that there's a there's something valuable about trying to play with the tools. But I think when people then get offended by it and you think that i the thing i hate about comedy that happens is if somebody gets offended and you call them dumb for being offended right when again it's like well no you're t- now we're talking to a much bigger room than we used to talk to right and people have the right to be offended by whatever you they're offended by now you cannot agree with their offense but just because they're offended doesn't mean like to me if you make a joke about rape that isn't actually respectful of any aspect of that issue and people get offended yeah they're of course, they're going to be yeah, offended. Like, yeah. and just, and just accept that. Yeah. Like, you still make your jokes. Yeah. Just accept that. Yeah, you, you can offend people. You
0: have yeah. to know that yeah. if in any, in any, even just an interpersonal situation, if you hand someone a bag of shit, yes, that you can't always expect them to be like, "Thank you for this bag yeah, of shit." Exactly, be like, yeah, yeah. Well, Why did you give me this bag yeah, of yeah. shit? Oh, how can you get up so upset?
1: Well, you gave me this. <laughs> yes.
2: you had to know that this was going to go one of two ways. And not everybody's going to be like, "How edgy?" He yeah, be a bag of shit. <laughs> 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 this young punk rock mind. Uh, yeah, oh, so we I think, should put him in the movies. Yes, yes, and I think that. That's the part about it that bothers me, is that if you're going to play with the sharp tools in the drawer, then don't be surprised when you cut people. Right. <laughs> you know, like think, Or yourself. Yeah, or yourself. And it's like the whole idea when shock jocks get fired, and then they get upset when they get fired. Hey, you're a shock jock. Yeah. You shocked people. That's kind of what you're supposed to do. You yeah. Know? So don't be surprised when that happens. So I just feel like... I we, think a lot of comics outgrow that stuff. I think that's true, but I do think that, like... There's this basic thing in comedy where it's like where they not basic, but I feel like a lot of times comics defend the free, like take the free speech place. I can say whatever I want to say. Yes, you can again, yeah, again, but there's consequences sometimes. Yeah, you know, and I think I'm I would I'm sure Brian Regan has offended somebody. You know, <laughs> even though he's not talking about you know, even though I'll tell you who's offended. He's offended this guy. Hey, how come that guy's always making fun of me? Exactly. What'd that, I do to him? That guy who just happens to have that voice is offended by it. What? Agreeing. I don't understand. what I, I do to that guy?
0: Yeah, and so I, I feel Someone like... Someone told me to have a safe flight once, and I said you too, even though
2: they weren't going anywhere. But why attack me? Why, why bring me into it? Come on. Yeah. And so I feel like everybody's going to offend somebody at some point, but if you're, you know... uh, you know, for example, uh, you know uh, Jim Norton, who I think handles it pretty. I think he just this is what I do. It's my likely you're going to offend more people than uh, Regan, You know, right? And just accept that. And I'm not. I'm not bringing Norton as somebody who hasn't done a good job of it. But I feel like you know, just accept that you're playing with the sharp tools. I think he does accept that. But a lot of comics want to want to be Jim Norton, but not take the responsibility. Right. And I. But I think there's also.
0: You can tell when someone's point of view is an organic extension of of who they are, mm-hmm. um, or or you can tell when it's like like you know like when Howard Stern got popular and all the all the all the DJs around the country were like. They're faking it Yes They're yes, like no no That's just who he is Yeah yeah And yeah. it works Because that's who he is That's not who you are No 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 And no. so don't try to put on Your big brother's coat Yes <laughs> And be like look I'm yeah. I'm in a gang and Yeah like, yeah yeah, right, yeah Just no,
2: fucking yes. Well I think And that's that. That is the problem Is that people are Are aping what other people are doing And not coming from a genuine place And I think there's room for that There's room For people to be That There's room for Howard Stern uh, But then But don't expect that That's going to work for everybody Yeah You know
0: I just did some shows in Madison, Wisconsin
2: uh, with this comic
0: named Josh Gondelman. Oh, yeah, I know Josh. Yeah, he's really funny. Mm-hmm. And so he did, a, he did He had great sets and what we sort of started saying uh, to each other before we go on stage is like, well, we're going to go out and tell our Turbo Truths.
2: <laughs> 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 like, are, they're, they're, they're
0: true-ish.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah.
0: they're, you know... We, we embellish. Yes, yes, Because it's yes. comedy. I mean, you yes. kind of have to take a grander... So I sort of like the idea of calling them Turbo Trudes. <laughs> Here are some Turbo Trudes about myself.
2: Faster ways to get to the truth. I have to, I have to embellish the truth faster, a little bit. Faster, bigger. You know, yes, Steve yes. Austin, faster, stronger. Yes. Um, but... And I sort of know that there's things I say that offend people and I but I accept that fact and sometimes I feel like the, my whole point is that when people go, I'm offended, I go, Good. That was you were the person I was trying to offend. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you know, but when I offend the people I'm not trying to offend, I go, Oh, maybe I should try to figure that out and do it differently. But right. no. Offense is part of the deal. You know? To someone, I mean, especially with, with especially with what you're doing. Yes. Yeah, I mean I, yeah, I'm not I can't say I'm not trying to be like, I'm a truth teller and a firebrand I just no these I just I want to take strong stances you know that's part of what I like to do the the comedy I like and not just politically but just strong stances about whatever I'm talking about I want to be like this is what I believe in this moment and uh, when you do that you're inevitably going to offend somebody do you want
0: people to just uh, come away laughing or do you want them to come away laughing but be challenged or do you care or is that too trying to engineer
2: it well, I mean, you know, I think it's... it's, I, I wa- If they don't come away laughing, it doesn't matter what else I did. Right. <laughs> so I feel like the laughter still has got to be uh, job one. But I do want them to come away... I, I do want to feel like I communicated an idea to them, and then whatever they do with that idea is up to them. Because you you, you could sort of evolve,
0: like, when I mean, you look at Jon Stewart, mm-hmm. and She started out as a comic. I mean, like, yeah. if you watch Jon Stewart's early comedy, it was very much like... Hey, there's a weird thing that yeah, everyone yeah, does, yeah, you know, yeah. and then he and then he starts doing the Show. It's like a show. classic observational comic. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so then it sort of expanded. You know, mm-hmm. Bill Maher was the same way. His yeah. comedy in the in the in the eighties was a lot of like, hey, isn't it weird? That yeah. Rah, rah, yeah. Like there was a little political stuff, but it was yeah. I would not have considered him a political comic. No. And so you know, going down this path, do you sort of feel? And now you see, like John Stewart on Bill O'Reilly, like debating. Yeah, yes, serious. yes, yes. You know, do do you sort of?
2: I don't see myself. I'm not. I I think you have to have interest in doing that. I don't really <laughs> ever want to debate Bill O'Reilly. I might want to talk to him, but I'm not interested in doing that thing where we sort of like square off. Right. You know, I think. I mean, they're clearly doing a dance. Of course. You know, like, you know but but I don't really feel like I, the space I'm trying to claim isn't one of me against. Uh, you know, I'm the left and this is the right and blah blah blah. It's a really a space of like I just want to create a, a space for all these other people, but I'm not, like you know, as a political comic, do that thing where you sort of they invite you onto political shows, and I always find myself in this weird space of like, okay, if I say something to be funny, they think I'm disrespectful. Right. If I say something to be smart, I'm not as smart as the other people on this thing. Right. So I look stupid. <laughs> like, if I like, say something serious, then you're not funny. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's so, just weird. Like, you so it's can't like I do not I, I feel like I'm thrown into that space, but for me, it's better to be in. I just want to be in my space. Yeah, and spaces like these where You're we can... such
0: an intersectional progressivist.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my gimmick. They cracked. My... Gallagher had the watermelons yeah. and the uh, sledge matic, and I, <laughs> I have intersectional progressivism. You know, we we all have our bumper stickers that we're trying to sell after this.
1: Here's show. what I think of intersectional progressivism! Yeah. yeah,
2: and that way Gallagher was way more political than a lot of these other people we talked about. I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he Gallagher used to do like 45 minutes of the, the, the knuckleheads in Congress and then ended with watermelons.
0: Yes. Yes. And he really hated fruit.
2: Yes. He was really political about that.
0: That's so funny to me. I, I was just talking about this movie last night uh, when I've talked about it a bunch on the podcast before called The Dark Backward. Have you ever seen it? Mm-mm. It's Judd Nelson. It's, uh, I er, late 80s, early 90s, basically, it's 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 one of the, it's a super surreal, I guess you would call it a dark comedy, yes. but he's a really bad comic, Judd Nelson's a really bad comic, and then he wakes up one morning and he basically has sprouted a third arm. Oh, I've heard of this movie, yes. And yes. so, he goes back to doing comedy and he tells the same horrible jokes, but then he just spins around so people can see the arm, and then they fucking lose their minds with laughter. That to me is sort of like <laughs> well I'm gonna tell you a thing I really believe in and it was gonna hit a thing. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And no, then it becomes more about the hitting the thing yes. then
2: no one gives it a really people like it just all becomes a build up to people hitting to him hitting the thing. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah this these idiots, those knuckleheads in Congress are crazy. When are you gonna hit the thing? <laughs> <laughs> I, we know all that. It's, it's all foreplay Um well we uh we are at our hour.
0: All right. I don't know why I said that like this was the therapy session. No, I, I feel like I have no a therapy session. Feel, I feel better. We'll talk about some of this next week, yeah, but yeah, I really yeah. want you to go home.
2: Um, <sighs> I don't know what I'm gonna do. 142 episodes. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna
0: be you're gonna be okay, probably. Okay. We're, and we're gonna do this every week. Every the, week, we're gonna do a, we're gonna do a episodes. we're gonna do a therapy podcast okay. for you. <laughs> nice. sort of, sort of <laughs> My it wife out. will be very happy to hear that.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: Week seven, he really starts to get angry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> week eight, nothing but tears.
0: <laughs> no, nah, man, I'm glad I'm glad to have done it. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. congratulations. I, I was always. I mean, there was. So, I love the San Francisco comedy scene so yeah. much. I love performing in San Francisco. I'm going to I'm going to I think I think of set I'll be at Cobbs later this year and I kind of kind of scared of it a little bit because Is that just, your first time at Cobs? No, I've done Cobbs oh, okay. before, but I don't know if I've ever headlined Cobs. Mm-hmm. Cuz it's just like it's such a big room. Yes. It's like
2: an airplane hangar. It is like a airplane. It is like
0: an airplane hangar. Yes. Yeah. But there were so many great,
2: I mean, you must have been friends with Warren Thomas, and well, you know it's funny. By the time I got there, those people would come in and out, and so I, I did a week with Warren Thomas. One of the strangest weeks I ever did in comedy was with Warren Thomas. Yeah, he was a great. I mean, he's a great comic, but I didn't know him.
0: For people who don't know, Warren passed
2: away what f- uh, five six years ago. Yeah, maybe? it was maybe longer than. that. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, I guess it was five six years ago. Yeah, yeah. No, he was a great. He was a comic that I saw as an example of like. Again, we were talking about how to take up the space of black, but do it in your own way. Yeah, because there was nothing about Warren that felt like he wasn't black, but he certainly was doing it his own way. Yeah, what yeah. was the weird experience you had? Just did then- It was just a. It was the. Like he was. You know, Warren had a lot of demons, and so it was just a. I don't. I can't really confirm anything, but it was like we worked together for a week. He, I, most of it was him in the green room with the door closed, and then his wife slash manager, I guess, who was with him, and then a lot of people walking in and out of the green room, and he'd come out and do like. 45 minutes it was like different every night and we never talked and at the end of the week he's like hey man give me a hug and I just felt like <laughs> <laughs> I don't think i said three words to you alright
0: let's hug <laughs> <You know? laughs> what of he was like what do you do oh I'm a comic I've been opening for <laughs> yeah, you yeah
2: yeah, yeah. what it was, it, was, it, was, it was just a very funny he never saw my sets because he'd always come late which is fine but it was just a funny at the end of the week like give me a hug alright alright we, we can do that we'll get yeah. out sure why yeah, not yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Uh, but you, the, if you if someone's ever if if you ever go to San Francisco and you want to just go to the pun- Lunch line or cops but What's fun about the punchline in particular is that there's just this, like, wall of San Francisco comic fame, yes. and so you see all these amazing, it's like, yeah. you know,
2: you and Patton and Warren and yeah. Mitch
1: yeah, and,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, and Dana and... Which is funny, because, I mean, that wall existed, and then one day I came in and my face was up there, and I was like, oh, wow. And this is well before the show. Like, I felt like they really honored me before anybody would have known I needed to be honored.
1: Legendary
2: comic, W. Legend, no. yes, yes, yeah, no. Please,
0: not yet, do so, don't.
2: Put me, uh, no, but it me. was like you know it is I do feel like the one thing about being in San Francisco I wanted to feel like when I left that they would remember that I had been there and I feel like that happened so and I went back recently and did two shows in Oakland that were amazing and a couple shows in San Francisco at Stageworks that, were, that people considered me to be one of the people and I feel like a lot of times comics leave San Francisco and San Francisco doesn't know they were there and so I didn't want to be that guy. So, Do you know what you just did for this podcast, and I want to thank you for it? And then I'm going to hug you,
0: like okay, Warren did? All right, all right. You just gave us the This American Life ending.
2: Ah, oh, look at me! Look at me! I, I really appreciate that. I'm a big fan of This American Life, so... You uh, just raised the bar a bit. All right, well, this I really, is, uh, We were searching for an ending, and, and, <laughs> and you hit This American Life button in front of me, so I was like, you know... So we got, it, we, got the, we got the This American Life well, ending. Well, we should
0: probably stop talking or else. Oh, somewhere. shit! Yeah. We're going to ruin it if we continue to... So I just turn it off now? Yeah. Enjoy burrito.
2: Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.
1: Hey, grown-ups. The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the cat in the hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet.